Hey there, it's Arkady. What you're about to hear this week is a little bit different from our usual episodes. It's from a panel that Ilya and I did for the Community of Practice conference. Uh, that was a conference that has students, industry, people, and faculty members, and it's organized by True Style Lead. True Style Lead, for those of you who may not be familiar with them, is the Institute for Leadership Education and Engineering. They're a really awesome group on campus that works to try to study and teach engineering leadership skills to students at U of T. And so in this panel, we talked about our PUI experiences, me and Ilya, and we were joined by our friend from episode three, Deborah Raji, uh, and also by Milan Malkovich, a graduate from U of T Engineering. So we hope you like the show. Sorry uh, for the audio quality in the second half of the episode. Our microphones were kind of having some troubles while we were up on stage there. So, as always, if you like the show, tell a friend, spread the word, and we'll see you again next Monday with a, another regular episode. And until then, hope you enjoy this special episode of That Thing I Did For You. Welcome to That Thing I Did for a Year, a podcast where we interview fourth-year University of Toronto students about experiences they had in a year away from school. My name is Ilya. I'm a fourth-year industrial engineering student, and today I will have the pleasure of talking to Milan, Arkady, Deborah, and Sydney. Uh, for the first time in front of the mic, uh, but always behind production, is Arkady Arhangarotsky, a fourth-year fourth engineering science student and the mastermind behind the operation. So today we're going to have Sydney conducting the interview, I think, for the first time. Let's get into it. Excellent. So I am going to introduce you, but just I'm going to give people a little bit of context. So what Ilya just shared with you is the standard introduction. There's music too, but the music is going to come in afterwards. Um, for that thing I did for a year, which is a new weekly student-run podcast here at the University of Toronto, where fourth-year engineering students discuss experiences from before, during, and after a year of work. The podcast goal is to inform through genuine storytelling. So they're doing research, really. That's <laughs> giving students a way to gain perspective, advice, and inspiration from their peers. So honestly, I've listened to all 10 podcasts, and they're awesome. I really recommend that you listen to them, like not right now, but um, <laughs> shortly, maybe after, not at lunch, you know, in a day or two. And so I'm clearly not the target audience. I'm probably about two decades too old, and you know, and I'm not actually an engineer. But I have found them to be incredibly engaging and really instructive, and as luck would have it, they are directly related to the theme of our seventh Community of Practice Conference, Unpacking Engineering Interns' Workplace Learning Experiences. So each um, podcast is a 45-minute to an hour deep dive into one student's experience. They're awesome. It's like a context. How did they get involved? What are their experiences like? What are some struggles they went through? What are some really proud moments? What did they learn? Um, we don't have the luxury of doing that for each of the four panelists, so instead, we're going to be spending the next 45 minutes bringing you a cross-section of voices from the podcast, and then we're going to go into the past and uh, bring also a voice of a recent alumni who you may have heard about, who's been introduced like seven times already, so, um, Milan, yeah, uh, who's become an invaluable member of the Truce Ivy team. So the key question driving our discussion is going to be, what do engineering students learn when they move from university, which is an institution set up on purpose to teach them, to the workplace, which is an institution set up to achieve a whole set of organizational goals, most of which are unrelated to the direct teaching of interns, and yet they learn things. So we're gonna to try to find out what kinds of 
things they learn in these, um, in these experiences. So on our panel today, we have Ilya Kremen, Deb Raji, Arkady Arhangorovsky, and Milan Malkovich. And I'm just going to introduce each of them, and then you get to stop hearing from me and start hearing from them. Ilya Kremen is a fourth-year industrial engineering student who split up his PEYs in the co-op um, across, and this is a 12 to 16-month co-op, so distinct from some of the four-month co-ops, but from financing, consulting, and amusement parks. Cool. <laughs> he has been heavily involved in student leadership on campus over the last few years, ranging from Frosh Week. How many of you know that Frosh Week is spelled with an exclamation? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, between the F and the R, there's a necessary exclamation mark. Because we're excited. Um, yeah, we're excited. <laughs> in case you hadn't been able to tell if you hear the band go by at all hours. Um, to professional development, to model UN, he's interested in bioengineering, human-centered design, and all of the other messy stuff that happens when organizations and technologies come up against human behavior, which is kind of what we do at Pilate too, mess. <laughs> Deb Raji is a senior in the engineering science program at the University of Toronto, majoring in the robotics option. She spent her professional experience year as a machine learning engineering intern at Clarify, and we like to count the number of times she uses the word Clarify, which she uses in a really great way. <laughs> a leading computer vision startup, she later became involved in AI research, working on several projects investigating cases of bias in computer vision. Her enthusiasm for coding also led her to found the student initiative Project Include, which aims to provide summer coding boot camps for middle school students in low-income communities in the greater Toronto area and Ecuador. She loves a whole bunch of things, creating new projects and design thinking, acapella singing, so we might have her sing her <laughs> contributions, and long walks on the beach. <laughs> Arkady Arhangorovsky is a fourth year student in the Robotics Option of Engineering Science. He did his PEY at Google, Reputia Robotics, and Shopify. On campus, he's a member of the self-driving car design team and directly related to this panel, see the podcast, uh, he also produces and apparently is the mastermind behind the podcast That Thing I Did for a Year. Milan Malkovich graduated from U of T's electrical engineering program in 2017 with a minor in sustainable energy. As a student, he completed his PEY at Hydro One as a protection and control intern and team lead. In his final year, he was the president of the Undergraduate Engineering Society. Following graduation, Milan worked at S&C Electric a power systems manufacturing company as an applications engineer. Milan is passionate about leadership, good for us, <laughs> and people development, also good for us, and has recently returned to U of T to join us at Truce Highly, the Institute for Leadership Education and Engineering. In his spare time, he enjoys playing music, hiking, and mountaineering, even in like this weather, <laughs> which is like a new thing for me. I'm gonna try to experience this weather in some way other than the window. <laughs> Finally, my name is Cindy Rotman, and I'm the Associate Director of Research at Truce iLead. I have not yet completed a 12 to 16 month engineering intern, but I understand <laughs> applications, yep. Yeah. 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 Are still open for next year? Excellent, okay. Do you need an engineering degree? Okay, so please join me in welcoming our four panelists. for sure of the um, panelists and possibly all four. So first, I'm going to begin with Ilya. Now, why did you choose to go on PEY and what did you do while you were there? Uh, I chose to go on PEY honestly because I like too many different parts of industrial engineering and I need to figure out what actually works in practice. 
So um, with that in mind, I chose to split up my PUI across a couple of companies doing different things. So first four months, I got to spend on RBC developing digital products to make the bank work better. Uh, I spent eight months in management consulting at the Poirier Group, basically being a business doctor. Uh, and then the last four months, I was at Disney World, uh, make, getting more people onto roller coasters and making lineups shorter restaurants. <laughs> so why did you choose to go on PUI and what did you do? Um, so I chose to go on PUI just because I was very curious about the startup space. I was very interested. I was like attending a lot of hackathons and just getting very intrigued with the whole tech scene and what was going on with startups. Uh, so that's why I did my PUI to Startup Clarify, um, which is a computer vision company in New York. Um, and uh, yeah, so like I, I kind of was, uh, my role there was as a machine learning engineer, which effectively means that there was a research team that was sort of developing um, you know, neural net architectures and sort of designing different ways to make um, software kind of understand images better, and we were really implementing it. So we were really coding it out and integrating it into the product itself. Thanks, Dan. And Arpati, same question to you. Mm -hmm. so why PUI and what did you do? So prior to PUI, most of my internships that I had done had been all in software, software engineering, and because my major is in robotics, I wanted to try something closer to the robotics industry, and so I, through the PUI, found a job at Reputer Robotics. Um, so I, yeah, my PUI was broken into three parts. The first four months were at Google where I was working on the speech recognition team. Uh, then I worked for eight months at Reputer Robotics, which is a company trying to build a cloud robotics platform. And then I spent four months at Shopify, which is, a, uh, which is an e-commerce platform that lets people build online stores. And I was working on their uh, merchant analytics platform. And Milan, can you look back into the long, long time? The distant future. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I got into engineering because of a little blurb that basically said engineering is a profession that helps people. And all the way through my first three years of university, I struggled a little bit to make my coursework feel tangible, with the exception of the projects that I was working on. That's where I felt like I was actually doing something. So PEY was the next outlet to actually go out and do something that was seemingly real to me, because that's where I found that I was actually doing pretty well. Uh, so I ended up working at Hydro One for 12 months, and uh, my role was as a production and control engineer, which is basically making sure that the power system works the way it should. Mm -hmm. um, and three months into that, I also became the lead of a team that was dedicated to commissioning testing. So basically making sure that any new equipment across the province that was going in would work before it actually was energized. Thank you. So it's interesting, you had some um, experiences across geography. Many of you did um, more than one experience during that 12 to 16 month period, which lets you to sort of, sort of uh, compare organizational contexts quite a bit. So we're gonna go in the same order, and I'm gonna ask Ilya to tell us about a salient learning experience you had on PEY. It could be a proud moment, it could be a challenge. So describe the situation, and then let us know what you learned from it. Right, so uh, I was lucky enough to be at, like, in Orlando at Disney World when they were opening a new part to the park. So Toy Story Land opened this past summer and we got to work on that directly. So pretty much from like the second week that I got there, uh, we were working a lot on the industrial engineering side of things. So everything was already built. That was thankfully done. Uh, but from, from there, it was a question of how do you improve the human operations of it? How do you get proper flow of people through that part of the park? How do you get the roller coasters working like, more efficiently? How do you make sure that the restaurant is working properly? And so on and so forth. Um, and a lot of the focus was also on opening day because opening day is always crazy. Uh, and just, it, it took so much work from so many people to make that thing go even okay. And then so much more work from people who weren't just in industrial engineering, but from just across the organization to make that 
more than okay to make that great to make that special for people uh, and at the end of it like the big learning I got was just how much collaboration and just how much intelligent effort is required to make things actually work in the real world uh, I think before that I had a very gung-ho attitude uh, especially from school and from doing kind of smaller projects that oh you just think of it you do it you push it out there and then it works um, but but the, this was very much an eye-opener where especially on a physical scale um, just how much effort is required to make something great. Thank you. Yeah. And Deb, can you tell us about a salient learning experience and what you learned? Uh, yeah, so I had uh, a really interesting PUI where I got to, you know, clarify, let me do a lot of things, <laughs> uh, which is really good. So I kind of started off um, dealing with a lot of data and just like helping them with building um, training sets for machine learning models. Um, and after about four months, everyone forgot I was an intern and they just kind of like threw stuff at me, which was great. Um, and one of the things that I had to do early on was um, develop a moderation model. So effectively um, a computer algorithm to decide, um, to kind of like digest a bunch of content and decide what was safe for work, AKA kind of like nudity free and then what was like not safe for work. So what was you know gonna be filtered out of the platform. Um, and um, when I started this project, I was like, very ready, feeling very competent, and I kind of like walked through the process of you know developing a design doc and discussing it and building out the algorithm, and we shipped it, and it was super exciting. Um, and then afterwards, we sort of like realized with the client that um, the algorithm that we had developed was pretty biased in an explicit way. So um, the training set that we had decided to use to represent sort of not safe for work or nudity was more because it was like kind of derived from porn and things like that. So it was like more diverse than like the kind of stock imagery we were using to represent the concept of safe. Um, so we ended up actually filtering out a disproportionate amount of people, of the content of people of color from this platform. Um, and that was like a very surprising, shocking OMG moment. And like, <laughs> as a minority myself, I was like appalled. <laughs> um, you know, I was like, how could I, you know, be part of this? Um, so yeah, like working with a lot of the people people at the company, we sort of figured out ways to balance the data set. We sort of discussed sort of what this means and how that um, translates to issues of bias that exist in the industry as a whole. Um, and it really led me to kind of like my next step. So the summer after my internship, I did um, another sort of research internship at the MIT Media Lab, literally working on this problem of bias in computer vision, um, and particularly facial recognition. So it is like a kind of industry-wide problem and like that ethical dilemma or kind of like crisis really led to me like being awakened to the problem and feeling like a need and an like kind of understanding the urgency of addressing these issues um, particularly when these models and these algorithms are being deployed at like a really wide scale so that was like my really big learning moment um, over my PUI. That's great, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I mean not great but it's really <laughs> I was like yeah it was great. <laughs> <laughs> Salient learning experience, and then what did you learn? Mm -hmm. So for me, there was kind of a dramatic moment in my time at Reputa where, so my original plan with Reputa was that I would be there from the start of September until the end of August in Zurich, in Switzerland, uh, working there. And kind of in the span of about two weeks from the start of December to the around Christmas time, uh, that plan changed completely where I, yeah, so I thought, so they were, they were closing their Switzerland office uh, at the end of December. And I was in the start of January moving to their op other office, uh, which was in Bangalore in India. Um, and that came as a complete surprise to me. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I knew they had an office there, uh, but I didn't, um, didn't expect to be there. The plan was for me to be in, in Switzerland for the full 12 months. Uh, yeah, so this happened very quickly. I think other people in my office, uh, which was about 10, 15 people, 
in Switzerland sort of had like an inkling that this was going on and that the Zurich office wasn't doing very well. But for me, it came as a complete surprise. Um, and it also resulted in like most of the work that I had done between September and December being scrapped. Um, which is really frustrating for me. Uh, the, it was sort of the, the first time what I really sort of took away from that was it was first experience where I've really seen that not, I'd spent a lot of my co-ops and things focusing on how can I improve my technical skills and that was really kind of where my focus was. And this was an instance where really more important was everything outside of that, how I like knew what was going around at the company around me and so on. And that ended up mattering considerably more than uh, just like how quickly I'm able to code things up. Um, so it generally like pushed me towards focusing a lot more on developing that side. Uh, as opposed to the sort of technical skills side. Thank you. And Alon, uh, sure. tell us about a salient learning experience and what you picked up. Yeah, mine kind of spanned over my whole internship, I think. Uh, when I came in for the first maybe month and a half, two months, I couldn't really do anything because I was basically waiting for security clearance. <laughs> so I would come in and do as much as I could and help out as much as I could and really just sit at my desk every day, um, which was unfortunate. And I, I quickly came to realize that nobody was gonna come and check up on me, so if I wanted to get anything out of my experience, I would have to go look for it. Um, so basically, four months in, I became a team lead as a co-op, which was super, super weird. Um, <laughs> and I ended up running a team of uh, three others for the duration of my co-op, and basically being on the phone, talking to field techs across the entire province who had no idea that I was some 21, 22-year-old kid <laughs> telling them which inputs to plug in and what signal to send until pretty much the day before I finished. And I sent out an email thanking everybody, saying, hey, thanks, it's been a great experience. I really appreciate it working with you. <laughs> and everyone just follows up and says, wait, what? <laughs> you don't, you're going back? <laughs> so it was kind of this, this idea of, you know, it, I could have just sat there for 12 months and done nothing and collected a paycheck and it would have been that would have been it. And I had seen other people doing it, but to actually go out and try to make something of my experience, I had to actually apply a little bit more initiative in that case. And it ended up being an experience that I had no idea was gonna happen. And I learned so much through it about the industry as a whole, just because I took that a little bit extra step. It's amazing. And so much unlike a problem set, right? It's a little more diverse and a little more fair <laughs> than a problem set. Um, and this is something we discovered when we had a meeting before this podcast. Um, it's really cool. We didn't do this on purpose when picking people, but your learning experiences happened at different levels. Mm -hmm. So Ilya's was really about team, the importance of team in putting something together. Deb's was really about the impact on society of decisions that you make as an engineer. Arcadi's was like organizational structure. Oh, we're packing up and going where? What's this all about? And uh, Milan's was leadership, self-leadership at a self at a self level. So it's really great the kinds of learning experiences that you had that you were able to share with us, and um, it's really important that we in this room, both um, as uh, people at the University of Toronto who might support you, and also folks in industry who might support you, give us some tips on what we can do. How can we best support you? So um, I think we're actually doing okay with time. So all four folks can answer, but for this, I'm going to actually. Start with Ilya and Arkady, and then depending on time, I'll move to Deb and Milan. So how can we, we being the folks in the room here, support your learning when you move from like problem set to the world of work? Uh, so maybe we'll start with Ilya. Yeah, um, I think the, the thing that I found most helpful across like all different sizes of organization was when somebody gives, uh, I would say, cascading levels of meaningful autonomy. 
is I think the best way to put that. So long words, but but um, basically giving autonomy early was something that is is really engaging and also forces us to do that same thing we do at school with our problem sets, which is. I probably haven't been to lecture, let's figure out how this works. Um, because a lot of work, honestly, a lot of work um, when, like, when you first come in there feels like you're starting to write a test when you didn't attend the lecture. Uh, and um, giving that in stages is something that really uh, ramps up learning. The, the opposite of this is saying, this is your task, do it for a while. Um, so, and the, the, thing, the thing that I found to be a huge benefit to that, and uh, the, the Poirier Group, which is a company, uh, it was a 20-person company I was at for eight months, did an especially great job of this. It built trust very, very early on. So that was something that allowed uh, me, and I saw other new employees there, to ramp up very, very quickly and learn very quickly. Because if you, if you give concrete balance to what you're doing and say, stick to this, then um, that, that's what we're going to do, and we are like we don't know your organization, so we're not going to question you know what it is that we are allowed to do. Um, versus, uh, in the case of this company, they gave continuous room to grow. They would say, "This is your project. How would you do it? This is another slightly bigger project. How would you do it?" Uh, and that was something that was really a great catalyst for learning. And, mm -hmm. So. So it's kind of go with some scaffolding as well. Oh, definitely. It's not. It's not just like here, do it yourself. But it, it's more that it's coming from you rather than being given a sheet of paper and told that your job is the steps on this sheet of paper. Thank you, Arkady. Do you have some tips for us? Yeah. Uh, sort of to add on to to what I sort of my my sort of story before is just the degree of. I think I think it probably would have come as a surprise to my coworkers and employer uh, in Switzerland. Just how blindsided I felt by by like that whole quick change of things. Um, so I think I, I, I definitely would have benefited from a lot more uh, kind of like focused attention from from other people at the company. I think I was I think knowing that this is for many people like on these kind of co-ops their very first time in a company or like working in a company for a longer period. Uh, where that's and where that's like as an employer and as an employee, that's like the world that you live in for a long time. Uh, it's yeah, I, I think I would have really benefited from having a lot more sort of of those of those things explained to me on the technical front. All of that was good, but I think having had more explanation of like how a company works, that's I think where I had sort of like sought it out a little bit. But I think uh, having having had that more sort of reached out to me, that would have been very very helpful. Yeah, so making sort of the hidden curriculum of the organization a little more explicit to you. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, so we actually are doing well with time, which is, for me, if any of you know me, I'm consistently 15 minutes late for everything, um, which Doug actually has changed in me. I am, I am now on time for things. Awesome. Um, so we do have time. So if Deb and Milan, you want to answer the same question before we move on to the last question. So how can we, employers and universities, support your learning? Um, so for me, like, an interesting thing was uh, similar to what Arkady mentioned about mentorship and like pairing people. Um, but for me, that was like beneficial from like a technical standpoint and that would have been more beneficial from a technical standpoint. So I also worked at like a smaller company and um, I think after like four months, they were just like, oh, she's good. And then they're just like, and it's like, as in like, we don't need to not like, like we don't need to get involved with her. You know, she's like, she's got it after four months, right? And then they kind of just like left me to figure out technical stuff on my own. So I spent like probably way too much time like reading through docs, trying to figure out what was going on, um, you know, coding something and then being told like, oh, we 
already did the, so like, mm -hmm. you just have to look at this really obscure part of the code base. Um, so like, uh, I think like in the same way that he was mentioning having someone reach out to you in terms of organizational support and like teaching you about how the company works um, kind of like from a structural perspective, I think having a technical mentor that's sort of consistently with you across the 16 months, like not just after the four months, then some sort of assuming that you're okay and you're good, like sort of being with you consistently across the 16 months. Because I think my role, um, in terms of the team was very diverse, they worked on a lot of different types of problems. And although like I sort of was okay with doing the things I was working on in the first four months, um, you know, as my role sort of evolved at the company, it became increasingly difficult for me to figure out the technical stuff by myself, but I lacked that um, technical mentorship because they were just like, oh, she's, she's fine, like doesn't need this anymore. Um, so yeah, sort of having someone consistently with the student the entire way through, um, that can sort of adapt, or even perhaps like a variety of technical mentors if the student is working on a variety of different projects that require different types of expertise. But definitely having someone there the whole time, like, and remembering that they are like a student and they're there to learn. Um, so like their objective should really be focusing on, you know, having a certain amount of support while they're learning. Yeah. Yeah, so it was helpful to you, for you to have their confidence that you were doing well, but it would be nice to have somebody maybe you could approach periodically. Exactly. So that you don't have to reinvent the... Yeah, like a dedicated person, I, I know I can kind of... Not somebody who's sitting with you the whole time, but somebody yeah. could ask questions. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, thank you. And one, if you have anything from like what universities can do as well, because the first three were really workplace focused. Mm -hmm. Although if you're going to say workplace example, go ahead. I'll lean toward workplace and I'll see what I can spin in there. <laughs> but um, I, I, like, I'm a big fan of culture in general and understanding where cultures come from and why they work the way they work. And I think that if we want to leverage an intern to create as much value as an employee would, we need to treat an intern like any other employee. And I've seen too many times my friends going off on PUI or doing internships or starting new jobs for the first time, and they show up on day one and their computer isn't set up. And they have no way to work for the first two weeks. And it's these little cultural artifacts that send signals to interns that say, yeah, you're here, but you're not the same as everyone else. And I think that's a really big thing that we need to consider, just the little interactions that we have when we have a certain expectation for someone to perform a certain way, but aren't providing them the support to actually go ahead and do that. Um, and, and as far as universities, I think that there's a lot of value in creating that, that flow of communication between the university and the, the company, and I think that's something that we're actually starting to do really, really well here. Um, but making sure that the student is moved into that process as well. So that the student has an idea, oh, there actually are people looking out for me, both at my home university and at my company, and they care about my development. Maybe I don't see it that tangibly day in, day out, but that focus is there, and I am getting the benefit of that as well. Great, thank you. Oh, yeah, Sorry, I just had like a quick add-on yeah, sure. comment I made where, um, about mentorship, both from like a cultural perspective and also like technical, I think it's really important for the organization to give space to the mentor and sort of um, credit to the mentor that is playing that role. Like it is a really hard thing to sort of take on a student and teach them how things work, uh, both organizationally and technically. And I find that a lot of the people that end up sort of playing that role informally uh, kind of get burnt out because they're doing their job and then they're doing yeah. a second job and they're not necessarily given um, either the space or the recognition to do that. Yeah. So as an organization, it's incredibly important to like actually um, account for that in their work day and, and sort of budget for that and, and support them in terms of taking on that role. Yeah, so to support not only you, but also the potential mentors, I think that's really helpful. Yeah. Thank you. So our very last question, and I'll begin with uh, Milan and Deb, um, and then if there's time, we'll go to Ilya and Arkady. 
looking back over your experience, there are some students here about to go on PEY, others who are in the midst of it, others who have just come back. Um, what advice would you give students who are just about to go on PEY? We'll begin with one. Don't settle for just the two feet in front of you that's your computer screen. You don't have to just come in day in, day out, sit at your cubicle and go home. There is a breadth and wealth of knowledge at every organization outside of the team that you operate in, outside of the discipline that you operate in, that you can leverage as simply as going up to somebody that you haven't met yet and saying, hey, I'd love to hear what you do here. And I think that that's one of the things that I benefited from the most. And that meant, in some cases, even taking the elevator down like five flights and going to a totally different department that I'd never seen before, just to get a sense of what was going on and how it contributed to the organization as a whole. So I think developing that broader organizational knowledge to get a sense of what the part that you play does in the context of the organization and how that ties into all the other people that are really doing everything they can day in, day out to make it as successful as it is. Yeah, so the organizational context combined with what you did, which was take initiative. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you have a suggestion for students? Uh, yeah, I always, I always tell students, like, uh, only apply to jobs that you want to do, <laughs> organizations you want to work for. Um, like, I'm like a very kind of like, well, through Eileen's help, I became a very value-driven person. So like looking at the missions and the values of the company and understanding what aligns and what doesn't align. Um, like I think there's a lot of students that sort of just blindly apply and then sort of take the first thing and rush the entire process. And I, I, I really don't think that's a good use of a year. <laughs> um, just because like, uh, like you have this opportunity to sort of explore something for a year and get a really good experience sort of doing something that you think you might do for the rest of your life. Might as well make that a viable experience. And for the employer, they definitely appreciate you as an employee more when you're sort of engaged and you're doing something you're excited about. Um, so I always tell students like, don't blindly apply to every single job on portal. Um, and then, um, you know, take the first offer that comes to mind. Like definitely look at the organizational values and how they align with your values and then pick something and apply to a job and organization that you actually want to work for um, and prioritize those um, and seek those out actively first. Yeah, and be very thoughtful. Um, when accepting an offer, it's better to do no PY at all than to do a PY that you're not actually fond of. Yeah, so doing a bit of research also. Know yeah. yourself, know your values, think about some of the organizations, get to learn some of their values, and think if you can come up with a fit. Together. Exactly, yeah. So it becomes a useful experience for everybody. Yeah. So we do have a couple minutes. Um, did, hold on, hold on, would you like to? <laughs> uh, I, I think like, those are really good points. Um, I think the, the add-on there that is a conversation I often have with students is, run intelligent experiments. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's something that PY is, <laughs> is, is, well, but that's something that is, that PY is a pretty ideal for. Because um, you've got this, like, this confines 12 to 16 months uh, during which you can try to figure something something out about yourself. Um, but like, I think the best example like, I've thought of, uh, of what I've seen of this is actually like, Muhammad, who's sitting over here. Uh, I remember like, when talking to him, about, to him about his PUI early and you know after the fact, he had very, very concrete ideas of like, I want to see if this is true. I want to see uh, if I would enjoy working at a small company. I want to see if I enjoy working as a software developer or a product manager. Um, and these are, if you set these questions beforehand, that gives uh, really good goal-orientedness to the, the work you're doing instead of making it just a year of work experience. Now, like, doubtlessly, you're going to have learnings that you didn't anticipate, but having these learnings that you want to come away with um, gives, uh, just makes the time a whole lot more valuable and also very much informs 
what you want to do with the time. It takes you less away from like, hey, is this a brand name company? And it takes you more into what am I going to learn about myself and about the industry here. So, yeah. Run intelligent experiments. Okay, well, the Institutional Review Board on Ethics might have some questions on that. <laughs> um, yeah, excellent. Good, good tip, excellent. I never idea. said publish. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, do you have any uh, last word? Uh, go to Q&A. Yeah, I would just quickly add that, uh, sort of thinking about it in terms of, aside from we've been talking a lot about like workplace development, I think during PY, a lot of other students, I think, also feel this way, that you get a lot more time than you do during school for doing like personal development and time sort of after five o'clock, which is usually still busy when you're in school, but uh, when you're working, you actually have this time. Uh, I think being sort of deliberate from the start of PY Sort of thinking 16 months from now, where do I want to get in that point? What can I do with my sort of evenings? I think that for me would have saved me a lot of like, just in the first few months of that time where I was really just kind of sort of aimless and not really knowing what, it really didn't ex didn't expect that I would, I didn't know what I would do with that time because I never really had it for <laughs> years. And, uh, and then sort of towards the end, I got into more and more just like hobbyist things that I didn't really have much time to do during school. and. I'm already kind of missing. <laughs> uh, but I think, yeah, I would say being very, very deliberate about the kind of personal development you want to do, thinking about that before you even start uh, going on those 16 months, uh, what you want to get out of it uh, outside of work. Yeah, thank you. So I would like you to thank our panelists, and then we're going to do Q&A. But before, so we have to organize this because we're actually recording right now. Um, so if you have a question, Maybe stand up and quietly sort of move to the side and come around so that you're near the table so we can hear your voice um, with the question. Um, but just let me, um, let's give a round of applause to our four panelists. So I am going to open the floor. So if folks want to come up, possibly, maybe stand right around here so we can hear your voice. Questions? Is it the standing up here that's bugging people, or? <laughs> yeah. Roger. Uh, we should be here. Am I we can possibly well, yeah. yeah, okay, I'll, I'll uh, speak a little bit louder. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I, I found myself writing things down, and then I felt like I was doing a transcript of, of the conversation here. So I look forward to listening to the podcast after. Um, back to the point about what the university can do. The, PEY uh, programming here walks that line between industry and the academy. So, um, could we could we get a little back to what what would you like? When looking back now, what what would you have liked in terms of support from this office that is uh, that is trying to facilitate this learning to earning or learning to work type of transition? Mm -hmm. Just raise your hands if I have a sense of sure. I think um, meaningful, non-cookie-cutter preparation. I think it's easy to go out and say, okay, everybody's resume needs to look like this, and everybody's interviewing, so you need to do this in your interview. And I think that's something that, as students, we've fallen uh, into very often. But the reality is, is that a software interview is going to look very different from some kind of technical interview in electrical engineering, for example. In, my, in every, pretty much every single interview I've done, I've rarely had to do any kind of technical question answering. It's almost exclusively been, who am I as a person? How am I going to fit in the team? What do I bring to the table that's maybe a little bit different? But that, that technical is almost understood and accepted that it's there. So preparing somebody to, to be able to go into a different kind of organizational context 
and ahead of time recognize what that organizational context is going to look like so that they're actually showing up, recognizing who their audience is. I think it's really meaningful. I think to build on that point, uh, the idea of the kind of like making it less of a, okay, your student get a job process and more of a, uh, what are your possibilities? Uh, and that's that's a mindset shift that can be like characterized by you know what will get you from where you are now to where you want to be in terms of where you want to work. Um, that can be characterized in terms of um, you know instead of saying like so you want this kind of job, uh, asking what what kind of career do you want, what kind of experiences do you want to get out of it? Because there are going to be some people who say I want to be a software engineer, but then there are going to be some people who say I want this kind of job. I want to work with you know, like a product team, or I want to work at, you know, like a small forward-thinking company. I want to work at a company with these values, which like Deb had brought up. So uh, I think that that would engage people in uh, PUI, not just from a jobs perspective, but from like a, like a very human perspective. It'll make people a whole lot more excited and engaged about the process. Great. Anybody else have? Yeah, I think I, I like ran into someone. I think it was Emily, and like I was talking to her about like. How useful I lead is for job prep and interview prep. Um, <laughs> um, like not to you know toot the horn, Thank but you. like, <laughs> um, but yeah, like all. Uh, I I was involved in I lead like in third year, which was very fortunate because I learned a lot about like values and how to um, have kind of intelligent conversation around values and identify values and in organizations and organizational culture and things like that. Uh, and uh, like apparently, I was talking to a recruiter recently, and, and she was like, "Oh my gosh, like." You know this language around values is so yeah. impressive, yeah. Um, and I think like a lot of leadership development and working with Ily would be really beneficial for the ECC. I I, I really feel like um, a lot of my that's an excellent yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry, that was I don't know if that's already happening or not, but like I definitely think that like uh, leadership education in general um, and teaching students like what to do and how to sort of stand out as leaders, you know, um, when they're in their although they're in their internship and they're learning, sort of being able to like take initiative, being able to recognize organizational change and organizational culture and have like a vocabulary around that um, would be super beneficial. And especially like, you know, during the interview process too, like having that language is super beneficial. Um, so I feel like that was definitely uh, something that I kind of, you know, uh, was able to leverage and I feel like a lot of students would be able to leverage that as well. Uh, another kind of comment, which is similar to what Arkady and Ilya already mentioned, there's so many different types of interviews and so many different types of ways to present your resume depending on the industry. Uh, something that I feel like um, that the university could sort of do better is, you know, just support students in the exploration process and the research process. What is it, like, what does a good job look like for you? How do you actually research organizations to work for? How do you properly, you know, use the portal to sort of explore options? How do you come up with educated sort of questions to research? once you arrive at an organization or that, you know, questions that you want answered through your PY experience, how do you develop goals for your PY experience? Things like that. Um, I don't feel like the conversation necessarily goes there. It's always like, I assume you want a job. I assume you know exactly which job you want to get. You know, here's how you get it versus like, you know, how do you know which job you want to get? And I feel like most students um, struggle with that question almost more than, you know, how do I go about getting this job? That's sort of like the next step after that. So, any more questions? Yes, Mike. Um, first, uh, sort of administrative one. If yes. you could help a guy my age figure out how to access the podcast. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll send it out. I think we might be close in age, but oh, yes. Okay, Milan, who's not my age. Um, 
Yeah. And then to pick up maybe on the theme of the front end, the preparation, the show up interview and selection process, is there anything you, so the panel could share regarding um, what employers could do differently or better um, to kind of present themselves and their opportunities in a way that would maybe help you mm -hmm. see if there's a, a better or worse fit? Mm -hmm. Thank you. So who would like to take this on? Yeah. All right. uh, I think there, there's a handful of things. Um, some are really simple, and again, going back to that culture piece that I like so much, little elements like responding, like just responding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that often students struggle with, with emails or resumes going out and having no sense where it's gone. It's just falling into some black box, and then four months, like, I applied for a job last year. I got a job after I graduated. I applied to a whole host of other jobs as well, and I was four months into my new job when the company responded to me, <laughs> asking for an interview. So little things just as far as responding regularly or responding relatively quickly, and being, being receptive to the fact that students are looking for these kinds of positions is a really big one. Um, and I forgot my second one, but I'm really hung, hung up on that one, so <laughs> when it comes back to me, I'll, I'll bring it up again. I, I would just add that, and for me, very, very valuable was being able to talk to some students who had worked at the places that I uh, was applying. Um, hearing, hearing what that say, for me as a student, I think they already automatically know a lot of the kind of concerns that I have. The uh, sort of, yeah, close, speak closer to the same language. That I think being able to talk to students that work at uh, that work at a company that was very, very valuable for how the company presents itself. <coughs> Um, I, I think just if I may like, pitch yeah, in on yeah, that, yeah. Um, I think something that like really differentiated some like job descriptions and kind of initial forward facing communication from others was uh, how intentional the company was about the kind of person who they want to hire. Because there were some companies where it was like clearly just like I want smart person in front of the computer, uh, and uh, there were like uh, there were others who were felt very intentional. Like I could see the person who it was they wanted to hire, and it's of course from a technical perspective. Like these are technical jobs we're applying for, but um, also from uh, from like I hesitate to use the word with values again, but just like what is uh, not, not just what is. Okay, values. Uh, not, not just what is uh, important to you, but also like the kind of work that you want to do. So uh, that's something that would differentiate at least, like for me, one design job from another design job. There's a lot of jobs where you would design an interface, but if like this company says, like, hey, like we want somebody who is like wants to be interacting with a small team on a daily basis. That is that is something where like I see that and I can picture myself there and I can much more easily decide, do I want to spend my time there? Thank you. So we have two final folks who like, raised their hands. I don't know if they're looking to uh, scratch or you have questions. <laughs> Thank you. Questions? Yes. Oh, you both have questions. Okay. Excellent. And then after that, we'll cut. I'm curious if you felt like you had the opportunity to speak freely on your internships and to present your ideas and create meaningful change. We talked a lot about mentorship, but I think as an industry, we need to realize that mentorship is a two-way street, so we learn as much from young people as we learn from us. And if we weren't able to speak freely, what can companies do differently to enable that? Thanks. I have a good, I had a good experience with this, where like, <laughs> people like at the company often remind me of how scared I looked the first like two months. Like I was like, doing headlines like, OMG. I, I uh, so the company I worked for. Uh, oh my God, in case anybody's my age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> 
simple but effective feedback process, which is they would ask, are you open to feedback? And if so, if you, if you say no, that conversation ends there. Uh, if you say yes, then they would speak openly and freely. And that was something that I saw happening not only to me, but between other people at the company. So very, very quickly I realized that you do not get roasted for for like speaking your mind, even if, even if they don't think the feedback is accurate. Um, the second component to that, like, I guess, I've seen make me very comfortable uh, giving feedback was having the people I look up to at that company, like, like mentors and people in um, like higher positions, speak openly about mistakes they've made. Uh, because like when, when you get to a company, you don't know what's right, you don't know what's wrong, you just know what is. Uh, and you're scared to question what is. Uh, and like, you know, just having somebody who says, hey, what's happening right here is not perfect, uh, can, you, you know, like, this, this is something we could have done better. Then you, know, you say, oh, I can think of five other things you could have done better. Um, but but um, then now you're more comfortable sharing that because you see that these people are okay with admitting the faults. Yes, which is an important thing to do. Peter, last question. Uh, I wanted to, first of all, thank all the panelists. Uh, very good feedback this morning. Uh, from an employer perspective, you, you, you all came in looking for, to gain certain experiences or, or wanting to focus on different uh, learning environments for, for your individual interests. Uh, at what point in time did you decide or what, what helped you decide to go with these companies? Was it, something, was it part of the interview process, part of the research that you developed, or what could employers do better to, um, to let you know that the opportunities to work for those companies are, are what you're pursuing, what you want to pursue? Post-PY. Yes. Uh, well, no, even, even, oh, for, even the, the, for the PUI program to start and then, and then beyond. 
So I'm going to ask one person to answer this question because we're, we're getting to time. Who would like to be the, the response? Well, I don't know. I was I was at another PY panel yesterday. And a lot of people mentioned the interview process as really a key component, and I, I have to agree with that. I had a lot of interviews for Clarify, but it was just like a really great time. Um, like it was just, you know, they were talking about technical things and you're realizing that, oh, this is the technical things that I want to learn about. Um, or if it's not a technical interview, if it's a behavioral interview, you know, really sending a representative that is excited about the company that, you know, kind of, uh, kind of, you know, spreads that excitement to the interviewee and makes the interviewee really comfortable. I find a lot of the students that were on that panel with me yesterday and just a lot of students I talked to cite the interview as like a key moment in terms of mm -hmm. making that decision, if it's an enjoyable and Properly structured and you know, you know, great interview process. Yeah. Um, then, then they usually use that as an indication of whether or not they want to work at the company. Yeah. Um, Actually, my Ivy interview, full disclosure, was the most fun experience. <laughs> most fun interview experience that I had. It was really fun. Yeah. Thanks. Thank uh, Milan, you said you had a. Yeah, just briefly, this actually ties into my post-university uh, experience. So Hydro One was a company that was very well known, I suppose. So for me, going to Hydro One was easy because I knew what they did. Uh, I ended up working at a company called SSC Electric after I graduated. And in the same space, I knew I wanted to work in power systems. I was excited about sustainable energy. But I hadn't heard about SSC before. I had heard about the ABBs and the Siemens and the GEs of the world. But SSC is very much in that same space. And I think that what they've started to do now really well is actually doing that university outreach and getting into classrooms and showing up on campus and being accessible to people who might be interested in what it is that they do and they bring things to the table that some of those massive companies don't necessarily but if students aren't aware of them they're not connected to people so i think being present on campus is a really huge piece and one of the great things folks can do is join our COP. <laughs> <laughs> um, i would like to take this opportunity to thank all of you for participating in truth eileen's first foray into podcasting um, i am not a millennial you might have noticed um, a special thank you to Ilya and Arkady for allowing us to piggyback on their production. And to all four panelists, Ilya Kranin, Deb Raji, Arkady Arhangaratsky, and Milan Malkovich for sharing really important insights about that thing they did for a year. Our parting words come from the mouth of an inspirational leader, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Whatever your life's work is, may you do it well. Thank you.